0: Welcome, welcome to From the Front Porch Live.
1: Again, hi.
0: Um, we are so glad that you are here. Thank you to retreat attendees, and then we have a few of our lovely locals who we are so glad are here to welcome Mary Laura to Thomasville. Thank you, Mary Laura, for being here. So we told the last group of retreaters that this is, like, not maybe your typical live podcast. Like, like there are no props. There are no, like, we didn't, no. We didn't like, rehearse this. My
1: only live <laughs> podcast experience beyond this is Welcome to Night Vale, which is oh. a very different thing. <laughs> um, yes. Very so th- this is not that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Mine is, my experience is Gilmore Guys. The Gilmore Guys Live. I definitely oh. saw them in Nashville. <laughs> They're two comedians. That's different from what we do here. (laughs) So so just prepare yourselves. Just understand what we're doing. Um, So we thought that we would do a bookish conversation, as we do. Last month, we decided to talk books about books, Mm -hmm. which we actually decided we mostly don't like.
1: Well, we don't like books that are set in bookstores. We do like books about books. Yes, that's
0: true. That's, so that's we decided those are different things. Yeah, that's a consensus we reached. So, but we're going a different direction because then we realized, wait, we posted that as a live podcast. Now we have to come up with something different. So <laughs> yes. we couldn't we just can't duplicate that. Do that again. <laughs> so, um,
1: but it's also a very different format because we have a guest with us, yes. Um, yes. which is always very fun, um, and we don't do a lot of guest episodes. In the latter days of From the Front Porch, no. which we did very early on.
0: Well, yeah, and partly because I was alone, so it was right. more than me just recording on my bed, which was yes. what I was doing. <laughs> uh, so we did have guests early. And then, I don't know, I don't know that it's our.
1: It's. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we're very we're excited. There's a good guest. Thing going on. <laughs> yeah. we, don't sure it. we don't need this will be fine. You don't need me. <laughs> Um, no, it's gonna be really fun. I'm I'm really glad that you all could come and join us, and it, I just think it's completely wild that any of you want to come here to see this. Um, and and I'm really grateful We're for glad. it. Like it's it's super cool. So th- thank you for being here. Should we do like a like an introduction, like yeah. our normal introduction? Let's do it. Um, how's it going?
0: Can you tell the episode
1: Oh, All right. Um, <laughs> welcome to live episode unnumbered of from the front porch. A collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and hi, welcome to Thomasville. <laughs> <laughs> and I am the
0: owner of the bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia.
1: How about that weather? <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Pretty is great offense
0: our lovely retreat attendees were talking about, so how's the door, Jordan? And he's like, I shaved that thing down. I shaved that down last summer, guys. So I just would like to give an update. Hallie can attest to this. Um, the door opened and is fine. Yay. We're we okay. We're okay. We did have to repair the door right. because yes. it had swelled and then there was a the crack that like my friends were like, You can just slide things right through there. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Makes so, it for the not moment. great yeah, it's not great for the utility bill, I no. guess. So anyway, Jordan also fixed that, so um,
1: um what's uh what's summer like in Nashville?
0: It's not Quite this humid,
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Um, a swamp down here. It's not quite this, but it's not that different, honestly. Mm. I mean, once you get to July and August, I think from like Kentucky down, Mm, it's just sweating. the
0: forecast is sweat. Yeah, (laughs) I said July Fourth until Labor Day. I'm just not interested. Yeah, yeah, I'm not interested in this. I
1: would say Mother's Day to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't like that early part of summer where it's still a novelty. No. (laughs)
1: smell of of freshly mown grass? I do like that. (laughs) No, no. I'm good.
0: Wait, can I... I was thinking... I saw this thing at Target, so I've I've wanted... It's just I live kind of on a, not a main thoroughfare, but enough people would pass my house. I think this would be too podunk looking maybe. But I was thinking about getting one of those kiddie pools. They have them for adults now. For your front yard. Like, and I thought, or for ducks. Or for ducks. Uh, so I thought it would be really fun, but I then I got embarrassed. Like I'm afraid then I would be those people on my street. Yeah. And Someone I, has to be. Yeah, yeah. It might as well be me. It might as well be me. And can't you just envision like... Sitting like, in a beach chair inside the kiddie pool, <laughs> reading?
1: If not us, uh, who? Class. Class act. <laughs> if not now, <laughs> when?
0: Uh, all right. What are we going to talk
1: about? Um, I thought that we were going to talk about some of the books that we read in childhood that kind of made us into the readers that we are today.
0: I think this is a great idea. Um, I'm going to tell you something you don't know. Okay. Which is that Happens last night, Mary Laura confessed to me in front oh, no. of God and everyone wow. that she hates Anne of Green Gables. I'm sorry.
1: I, Did you hear the silence? <laughs> oh, we got the same
0: reaction last night. I You're have, no, me. I have <laughs> no dog
1: in this fight. I have never read that. Um,
0: You've never read it? No. I think Gosh, there's a generation of men who especially didn't read it. They that's true. They weren't made to read it. It wasn't given to boys. No, points. it wasn't given to no. I'm sure my brother was not handed Which is a, a bummer, because Gilbert's a great male character, I think.
1: I believe it. Yeah. I would like to read it. I just have yeah. not.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was trying to convince her. I was trying to sell her on the Emily books instead. Sure. That yeah. was my pitch. Um, as a true bookseller, I was like, okay, if not that, then this. Right. Then here, I can <laughs> give you something else. Uh, but I thought... What better way, then, to lead into our conversation about children yeah. and children's <laughs> reading than this children's book that Mary Laura hates.
2: Right. <laughs> and the
0: fact that I should
2: have my children taken
0: away <laughs> because
2: I'm
1: not the man of the
2: games. I really, I stayed up late last night thinking about, like, what, I'm just now beginning to examine this this personal flaw yes. <laughs> in me because it's, you're not the first person to ask me about that book and also Little Women, which yeah. I didn't love. You? Um and I'm, I'm wrestling with like, is it a, is something wrong with me
1: that <laughs> no. I didn't love no. these?
2: No. But then I thought, you know what? It's a good thing. Because here's why. you and I, we, Annie, are so similar in so many ways. Way something. We needed a difference. We did oh.
1: Otherwise, <laughs> it was going to be a it was weird, be like, Last we showed up in
0: kind of matching thing. outfits.
1: Oh, uh, I saw that. I saw that on Instagram. Yeah. It
0: was planned. Yeah, yeah. you I'm wearing the exact <laughs> oh,
1: same clothes I wore to the last Reader Retreat Library. Good. <laughs> <But> the <laughs> photographs
0: will be great. Exactly. I did this
1: intentionally though, because you know how celebrities do that? Do you like, know? yeah. So that you so that when the paparazzi takes pictures of them, they're useless because you can't prove that it was on a certain day. So they can't say like they were leaving this set because who knows? I they're wearing exactly the same them. thing. Yeah. And that's I why I did knew. this. <laughs> <laughs> That's Maybe not like why. I this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um. So, what made you the way you are? <laughs> <laughs> why well, did you Why did you turn out well, like well, this Well, <laughs> that's a good question.
0: And we were talking. So we, of course, as we are, whenever Jordan Jones is in the room, we were talking about the enneagram. Thing. Right.
1: Obviously. And
0: we were talking about. So enneagram fives apparently received this like wounding message, whatever. That like they, um, they kind of are responsible for themselves and. My mom hates to hear this. She's Mm. like, I didn't tell you that. Like, I didn't do this to you. And so I thought about that, and I realized, no, nobody did this to me but books. Sure. Every protagonist in all the children's lit I loved growing up were about these spunky young women who were orphaned (laughs) or something terrible had happened to them, and they had to kind of pick themselves up by their bootstraps and take care of themselves and be independent, and that's who I've been my whole life. Mm. We were talking this morning about Claire Gibson's Beyond the Point, and I was talking about like my decision to go to Faulkner University, of all places, and somebody was like, you knew who you were, such a young age, and I was like, yes, approximately 10. Like, like, like I've been the same, my hair doesn't change, like I look the exact same, um, I wore fake glasses, now they're real, like, I, like I'm the same person I always was. So I think when I look back, really the reason I am the way that I am is because I thought, okay, was it Little Women? Was it Anna Green Gables? Was it Emily of New Moon? Sure. Yes. I loved all of those. I read Little Women when I was eight. H- hid in my closet because I didn't like to emote in front of anyone. That also has <laughs> stayed the same. And uh, cried okay. because things happened in that book that I didn't like and I still don't like anyone named Amy and I'm sorry. Uh, and so and so Yikes. what <laughs> really <laughs> you could convinced me. You <laughs> convince me. Um, but I think Really, if I'm being honest, and probably women of a certain age will agree with me on this, it's American Girl Books. Um, the American Girl Books Aww. really did, that was the first thing my mom loves to tell the story. of. Like, I asked her, we were reading it together aloud. I believe it was Kirsten was my first one. And I was reading, and then she fell asleep while I was reading. And she woke up, and she, she was like, oh, do you want to finish? And I was like, oh, I already did. <laughs> and she was, first of all, devastated that she had been, like, a bad mom fallen asleep. And then she didn't believe me, which made her a doubly bad mom. <laughs> she, thought, she thought, no, there's no way. And then I explained to her, it was my first um, reading recap, I suppose. Yeah. There <laughs> is, oh, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I think... Origins. Yeah, Annie, the origin story. Um, so I look back, and I really did, it's interesting that I don't really care for historical fiction now, because that's what yeah. made me fall in love with reading, was the American Girl books. There's no. nothing profound about them, really. I just liked
1: them. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's pulp fiction for for girls.
0: Sure! I don't know if okay, I like that.
1: It's very good <laughs> I don't know if
0: I like that at all. So
1: maybe not Pulp, but it's commercial fiction for children.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's nothing
1: wrong with that. There's yeah. not a ton of I meat or substance, but it has its place and it's good. I mean,
0: there's some stuff it's in the in there. historical crit. stuff. historical stuff? you Like, Molly's hair. Like,
1: there's a big... I would argue that historical fiction is you some the least substantial fiction out there, but that's just me, a historian. Yeah, I that. um, I'm, I'm being jokey. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. Um, um, so if you didn't, like... Anna Green (laughs) Gables, what did you like? What was
2: wrong with you? Uh, you The the book that I, and it was not even a book, it was a piece of a book, that I had this, like, all my whole childhood love-hate relationship, and I could not quit this story. It was The Little Mermaid.
1: Oh, that's that's Christian Andersen. The The real (laughs) one. Where she's walking on glass.
2: Yeah, like, I don't don't need to tell you all because you're readers, but you know that ends very differently from the Disney movie. Like, she dies, tragically, at the end of that story. And I kept going back to it because I, as, as this kid with like little kid magical thinking, I had this sort of delusion of power that if I could read it again, somehow I could change the ending with my mind. So I would read it and I would get so angry. Like I, just, I can remember being so angry that she couldn't talk. Yeah. And so she couldn't tell people. Right. Who she was. Mm. And she dies. And so I, I would put it away and just be full of rage for like <laughs> six months and then I would get it back out and read it like, come on, come on. <laughs> this time she's gonna talk. <laughs> <laughs> and it it made me, I think that book in part made me the reader that I am, mm-hmm. which is a very persistent like, I'm gonna keep on going and sure it's gonna this. get better. And yeah. I think it also partially made me a writer, the the message of if she could have just told her story, she right. could have survived. And I think it made me a fighter. Mm-hmm. Just the number of times that I lay awake in bed as a little kid thinking through all the things she could have done to save herself. Mm-hmm. Like, which, why couldn't she write a note? Did they not have a alphabet or of <laughs> like, It just drove me nuts. And it's, it really kind of, like, when I think back to me as a little kid reader, I remember going back to that story again and again, like, all right, come on, this time's going to be different. <laughs> this time and of course it change. never was. Yeah.
1: I, I deeply relate to that. Um, mostly for an unrelated thing here, I had a Rocky and Bullwinkle VHS that must have had two episodes on it, but I didn't know that. And I was... So confused every time when I would put it in and a different episode would play than the one that I had previously watched on it. It It's because there were two. But I was convinced that this was this magic tape that played a different show every time that I watched it. And I knew that's not how tapes were supposed to work. So, what about you? And so, I think that was probably encouraged by all the stuff that I read. I got really hooked on Edgar Allan Poe when I was
0: <laughs> <laughs> This is like when, when I tried I was, to talk about beach books and you were like this medieval tome, I took down some water. in the
1: teeth. Yeah. No, that was that's so
0: your favorite children's author, that was Edgar Allen
1: Poe. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I got really I got really hooked on Edgar Allan Poe. Around the age of eight, nine, somewhere around there. Um, And it was because my mom and my uncle were talking about that famous story, The Black Cat, where the cat gets, like, interred in the wall. um, Which is different from the one where the man gets interred in the wall. Um, Poe had a thing about walls. And I just remember thinking, like, that's horrifying. I need to read that. I need to understand what this is. But I really think it was kind of like a... I was afraid of this idea that there was this, like, man who was, like, haunted by, like, his his dead wife, and then also his his cat, and, like, all these things, and I needed to be able to read it to understand what it was, so that I wouldn't be afraid of it. Yeah. Um, I needed to diagnose it. I needed to take it apart and understand and it.
2: See, and see it. I, I, I yes. came upon a, a copy of Firestarter by Stephen Yeah! <laughs> at a very early inappropriate, to have that book age, and I remember kind of Pouring over it, going, if I can just understand how she's starting the fires and why she's starting the fires. (laughs) And then there was like a whole year of my childhood where I would look at things like really hard and try to set them on fire. Try to set them on fire. But it's like, if if this is horrifying and scary, if I can just, if I can put my hands on it, put my eyes on it, and understand it, then it can't be mysterious. Exactly. And And if I can
1: understand it as fiction and I can understand this as a story, then like, then it's okay. It's still scary. Because it's supposed to be, but like I know it's not real. I right. know somebody put this together for a reason, and that, that has really stuck with me. That's who I am as a person. I was
0: gonna say that to you or not. That
1: is who I am now, um, and I really do att- attribute that a lot to my very early exposure to Edgar Allan <laughs> Poe.
0: I'm curious, I don't know if it was just me. Or I was obsessed with diaries and with this idea that if I died, um, even as a young woman, young child, that if I could just leave a piece of myself for the rest of the world, (laughs) um, that they could understand me. And, of course, part of that, I think, is I read Anne Frank early. Um, But, of course, that story actually is legitimate Horrifying. Whereas my diaries were like, "Dear diary, Morgan wouldn't talk to me today. I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> like, like that's a very different. Like, there's no substance there. And I also fell in love with the Dear America books. I don't know if you're familiar with these. I still have some of mine. Like, and it's like Marie and a fictional Marie Antoinette as a kid, writing her diaries. <laughs> I know, classic lit. You guys oh, yeah. are reading Ed Growl and Poe, Little Women. I'm here with Dear America. the Fire starter. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so, so yeah, I was really obsessed with diaries and with this idea. And I think it's funny to watch kids now who love Diary of a Wimpy Kid who they love the Dork Diaries, and I get it. Like, and I'd like to think, even as silly maybe as some of those books were, that's my earliest stages of writing. Like, yes. that's not, like that's like that's when I knew. We talked last night about writing to know what you think. Mm-hmm. I never, even as a kid, didn't know what I think till I read till I wrote it down. Yeah. I didn't know what I thought about anything until I wrote it down. Right. And um, I think that's because I was reading other people's diaries yeah. and I thought this is also like reading Anne Frank, who's this real person, felt like sneaky. Like, yeah. like, it made oh, the, me. I
1: mean, there's a whole publishing history there that is kind of insidious. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, and I felt, I felt very voyeuristic, I guess. Yeah. And so then, of course, team, like paired up with Harriet the Spy*, then I would go yes. to people's houses yeah. and like go through their drawers. Where's their diary? Like, right. like <laughs> I, I have reading material I need to get wow. to. Yeah. I, like, oh, I was fascinated. Or like my parents' old yearbooks. I'd be like, who were my parents' friends? Yeah. Like that? Sure. Yeah. Like, it was very, and I still feel that way. So. I think it did make it. So you were a reader of these diaries
2: and you kept diaries. Yeah. So I Anne, Anne Frank was a formative book for me yeah. too and I and I I remember the year I got it for Christmas and mm-hmm. it was under my Christmas stocking and I read it cover to cover and then started over and read it again. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't keep diaries because I didn't want my words to get out into the public's hands right. no. outside of my control. Right. So I would write in a journal and then I would rip the pages out and like <laughs> get them wet and, rip and smush them and throw them away because I didn't want them. Oh. It, I was horrified that her diary, which yeah, she hadn't meant for people to read, right. No. was like in my Christmas stuff. Right. Yeah,
0: that you got to read. Yeah, yeah. right. No,
1: and that's. Uh, what and, I was and now thinking I've done too. this. <laughs> well, now you did the same thing. No, not well, not well, but it you know. is it's under your control. It's and exactly. you, you did it intentionally, yeah. right? Um, but that's, that's what right. I was thinking, like that you're treating the idea of the diary as a very public object. Yeah. That you're writing this even assuming that someone else is going to read it. I
0: just this. assume my words would mean Right. Later.
1: And like when I whenever <laughs> I people to are gonna I, wanna
0: look, know, look, I was a confident people child, like <laughs> <laughs> there was I did not have a self esteem problem.
1: Whenever I tried to keep diaries, there was always like the warning on the first page that was like, don't read this ever. Reader beware. I would
0: like read after I die, read upon my death, like these published, <laughs> not before, but read read at my death. I just assumed yeah. that as an adult I would publish a book, and that these would be like my like my adorable yeah. writings. They kept in a I, like the Beatles lyrics <laughs> yeah. in the back of a napkin yes. situation.
1: I, I I understand that. Do no, you I, still
0: have them? Are they somewhere? I do still have Good. several of them because what's so funny about them, and perhaps fellow child diary writers can relate, they're only like half full. Right. Like yeah. I never finished a right. a diary. Right. 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 Like, and I'm telling you, I would go on, you could see, like it was almost like madness, because I would go for like a few days, like I don't know, like binge write, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and, then, and then nothing, and I'd be like, hey diary, except I didn't want to call it a diary. I thought that was too girly. Call I called journal. mine a journal. Mm. So I was like, dear journal, dear I'm journal. back. <laughs> Did you miss me? Like <laughs> Yeah. it's good stuff it's which, good, stuff. <laughs> it's good.
1: <laughs> that makes me think of the Nickelodeon TV show Doug oh
0: yeah
1: um, which was all about like dear journal and then he would narrate the events of the episode and it was great yeah. I definitely related to that kind of character Doug but, so my, but my my journals <laughs> always turned into did anybody know the Animorphs books nope. so this was this was pulp fiction for boys yeah. um, because like this is what I'm saying. Children's lit often is that, not especially. It's not, but in the '90s, it all was. <laughs> it was. Um, no, but the Animorphs books—they start with like, "My name is Jake," and you're not allowed to read this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna like be in danger. Like that's how all of mine. That's how all of mine started.
0: My I name is Chris. I don't know
1: who's gonna read this, but I don't know. I might be in danger now because. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but probably not. But like <laughs> Again, I think informed by the things that I was reading, which was so much fantasy, where like, you never know what's going to happen to you. You walk out your door, and suddenly there is a wizard there who's promising you some untold magical future, um, which I still believe might be true. Um, I don't <laughs> yeah, know that no. that won't happen. Um,
0: we talked about that a little did. bit on like a bonus episode, because we were talking about this conversation... I'm sorry, I hate myself. When I was in London. Uh, um, When I
1: studied abroad. uh, It's so terrible. Um,
0: But while we were there, we were talking about um, this really fascinating article about British lit versus American lit, Mm -hmm. specifically for children. Right. And I came back with my mind blown that I thought I was like this classy British person deep down, and really I'm just a gross American. Because my preference in children's lit is American. And what that means, we were talking about it, is realistic mm-hmm. fiction. Yes. So as a kid, I like the like I did ultimately read Harry Potter, but I remember when my dad brought it home, I was like, mm. What is this? Like, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, and then I fell in love with it. But I read things like *Brigida Terabithia or like. I loved like true crime for kids, yeah. like girl on the face of the milk or girl on, yeah. The yeah. On, the face on, face on the face on the face of the, the Mil- milk. They, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that kind of stuff or like there's one I still don't even remember the names of some of these, like where there was a shoot they were locked up in the attic. It wasn't flowers in the attic, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I love this like realistic yes. fiction. I right. have no interest in fantasy stories until Harry Potter, and I honestly think the only reason I got into Harry Potter was because it was based, it was so rooted right. in realism. Yeah.
1: And shocking to no one, complete opposite for yeah. me. <laughs> I had zero interest in any of the realistic stuff that was it was always my grandfather buying that for me. Mm-hmm. Which is great. And I appreciate that he bought me that stuff, and I read it, but I was always like, Alright, can I read something fun now? Yeah. And not just like <laughs> this sad, this sad child's experience of World War One, like I'm good. Like I, I don't need
0: dreams. What did you read? I
2: was like you. I wanted realism. Yeah. I wanted to feel big feelings. Yeah. I wanted to. I wanted it to feel as close to something that I could imagine actually happening. I loved. This is awful. I love stories where like the parents die. Yeah. <laughs> remember what was the one where the sister had leukemia? Um, Later. A the, summer to die. Leukemia. Oh yeah. yeah. Do you remember oh, that? I was a kid. I'm like,
0: yes. Yeah. Like a kid novel. Yeah, yeah a, a, no, yeah. a kid novel. Okay. Like I, I was, know
1: this. If it was a
2: kid novel where, like, a tragic thing happened in the family, yeah. I was into it. If it had a wizard or, a, I mean, other than Firestarter, <laughs> um, if it had magic, yeah. I was not
0: interested. Yeah. I think part of it for me, um, my brother and I have talked a lot about this. We, we played a lot, and, like, meaning we reenacted things. So, like, I reenacted Little Women. Like, and I would play <coughs> Joe and Beth and all the men. <laughs> so my girlfriends would play the other parts Like so I very much remember reenacting these books that mm-hmm. I read as a kid yeah. and Harry Potter I was starting to get a little bit older and so that to me did not have the magic even though it was about magic did not mm-hmm. have the magic for me that true crime or babysitters yes. club. Then of course I went out and wrote my own babysitters club manifesto. Yeah. Like <laughs> like I very much books books played a big role in my imagination. Yeah. There was a
2: there was a case when I was little um, during the years that I lived in Memphis, Tennessee, I moved around a lot as a kid, but when I was in Memphis there was a, a real abduction case where a girl who was in high school when I was in elementary school was kidnapped and she was kept in the attic of a church and they <laughs> found her um, weeks later and she was okay and it was like this amazing story but for weeks we would all play on the playground kidnapper <gasps>
0: <laughs> I know yeah and it wasn't like yeah. we <laughs> from the <front> row. exactly
2: <laughs> it wasn't like we were making fun of it or or, or right. light of it. it was we were trying to yeah, process like yes. all right this time you're the kidnapper mm-hmm. i'm playing in my yard you steal me what am i it was actually not unlike what i was doing with the Little Mermaid, like mm-hmm. let's play it out and see if we can make yeah. How can different. we finish this? Yeah, and so I was always it? drawn to
0: yeah. like kidnapping novels. Yeah, into it. Yeah, to hear for it. Yeah. I get it. I did. You guys ever see the book? Did it came out recently called Um, I want to say Paperback Crush? Mm-hmm. And it's like basically all the books yes. of the nineties. <laughs> and I flipped through it and had a real nostalgia high. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I did because sometimes. You don't realize, especially, like, I was, <clears throat> I had a younger brother, but I was reading by myself, and so mm-hmm. I didn't know other, right. it's been fun in adulthood to see, like, yeah. um, there's a podcast, I've not listened to it, but it's uh, two adult female historians um, doing the American Girl books, like, to, to recapping <laughs> them, it's a podcast. That's I've, fun. I've not listened That's to it, fun. but I thought, of course there's a market for this, but yeah. I didn't know <laughs> right. it. I didn't know there were other people like me, and I love Paperback that. Crush was that way for me. Yeah.
1: And I guess for me, like, I hear what you guys are saying, and I guess the idea is like, your imagination is filled with like, these things that might be possible and actually happening in the world. Isn't that cool? And I was like, no. Uh, I wanted things <laughs> that, weren't, that, that were not possible. Well, I, wanted, I wanted my imagination to be expanded beyond what was the day-to-day, what was like, something I could experience. I wanted to experience something in a book that I wouldn't be able to experience in real life. Um, which is kind of the the magic of, of literature, beyond just the feeling of, like, well, this is supernatural, but, like, being able to go to Hogwarts, being able to ride a dragon with, with Daenerys Targaryen, like, those are all things that I've done through reading books that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Right?
0: And I feel like I read some of the like, I read Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. but it was hard to confess to people, like, but I didn't.
1: I did. I did it. I loved them, and I've read all of them five or six I times. I
0: hated Narnia. Yeah. I loved them. I did. <laughs> is that so interesting? I wrote
1: my master's thesis on C.S. Lewis, though. So. <laughs> so, <well>, that makes <laughs> sense. That's fine. Um, okay. What
0: do you think?
1: Um, you want to transition into this yeah. second thing? Okay. okay. So part two of our live show here is um, I'm going to moderate kind of a discussion about bookselling between these two professional booksellers.
0: Because did you know that Mary Laura is not only a writer, She's a bookseller. So, yeah, she's one of us. I am. She's one of us.
1: And so <laughs> tell us a little bit about your, your present-day life of the book, Sally.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's changed a lot over the, the past five, or it's changed a lot in the past one year, but over the past five yeah, years. I can imagine. Yeah,
1: yeah. Life has gotten <laughs> Um So
2: five years ago, I moved to Nashville from Atlanta with my family, and I started working for Parnassus Books, which is the independent bookstore there. And my job at the time was to start and run their digital magazine, which is called Musing. It's free. You can subscribe to it. It's great. Um, And that is what I did for five years. For a a couple years, I also ran all the social media um, and did some other marketing projects. And kind of as that five-year period went, toward the end, I started carving off pieces (laughs) and giving them back because the book that I had been working on, I Miss You When I Blink, Mm Over that time was getting closer and closer to mm-hmm. being born, and so my, my time was kind of shrinking. And so right now, uh, we have a, a different person, Steve Peruch. She's wonderful, does our social media and produces music, the digital magazine. And I think my current title is Book Enthusiast at Large. <laughs> what a great job! Which That's a means great job. kind of still works here, ish. Um, I drift in and out. Um, Sounds like my job. Yeah, I mean it's, it's probably pretty <laughs> you similar. Your time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. I mind everyone else's business. I tell people what to read. I still read like crazy. I recommend books. On, I contribute to musing. I just mm-hmm. don't run it anymore. Um, and I do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of in conversations when authors come to town. And then I have another side day job for Nashville Public Television. I have a show. They're called A Word on Words right. that yes. I do with a co-host J T Ellison, who's a great thriller writer. Y'all might know. Um, so, I'm still involved in book selling in a fuzzier way. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what, how do all the things in my life right. fit together?
0: I'm not real sure. Yeah. You know, I don't it's think not. you have to be sure. I think book selling is changing. I, I yeah, really do. I enough. think there's a digital component that wasn't really there before. Yeah. And I think about, we, like, we have customers in Tomsville who will bring musings to us and be mm-hmm. like, hey, I want this book or whatever. So, yeah. like, that's, that's hand selling just in a different way. Yeah. And then author interviews and conversations, a lot of people rely on that author conversation to get them to buy a book like so yeah hand, it is hand selling but it's just different from maybe the traditional method yeah i think
1: um what are some things that you like love to hand sell like currently
0: like titles or genres titles um it was funny as they were ringing as our retreat attendees were ringing up their books i was like gosh these are good stacks and then i was like <laughs> Well, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this week, the Nickel Boys released. Uh-huh. I think that's my big hand sell. Oh, and it's yeah. been really, really cool this week in particular to get to hand sell it to people from Mariana. Right. Um,
1: yes.
0: Because we're close enough where we, like, yeah, yeah. I had two customers this week. Born and raised in Mariana, knew wow. about the Dozier School, and I was thrilled that they wanted to read the Nickelodeon. And I was like, okay, phenomenal. okay, we're gonna, so okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. they had like they had either seen the Colson Whitehead interview on CBS this morning, mm-hmm. or they just walked in, we had it um, displayed, and he you know, he picked it up and he's like, I know exactly what this is about. I'm gonna get this. I grew up in that's this area. So great. And that like that that kind of stuff as a bookstore owner and like the more tasks you undertake the less you're on the floor yeah. um but I love working the floor so much uh, I love hand selling and that's why like right. getting to hand it to somebody and getting to realize okay like I love this book I get to honestly honestly tell someone that I love it that's the other thing about independent bookstores I don't think you go into a Barnes and Noble and they deter you from a book I think Holly's here somewhere where you are, Holly. Uh, she has come in before and like held up a book to me and I've been like, no, Holly, not for you. Not for like, you. Let <laughs> me help you. Like, like, <laughs> um, and, I, and I think Olivia and Lucy all do that because we yeah. know you. And... Um, so when I'm hand selling, I'm hand selling to the person. Mm-hmm. But the Nickel yeah. Boys and Ask Again Yes, oh yeah, um, and City of Girls this summer have been titles that have, to me have been really easy to give to almost anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, City Girls was a little trickier, but um, and like Family of Origin isn't maybe one I could give to just anybody, but if you give me five minutes, I bet I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you give me five minutes, I bet I could convince that you too should read that book. And when, yeah. when
1: I came in tonight, I saw like all the stacks of books on the table, and mm-hmm. so many people with family origin and I don't remember which one of you it was that like she's really been talking about this week, <laughs> <laughs> um, and with good reason we have all we've all read it yeah, and we yes. can we can talk about it at length and I would love to yeah um, and it's
0: genuine I think that's what that's what I hope is yeah. obvious like if I, I don't like a book I'm book. not talking
2: about
1: it right but <laughs> yeah
2: yeah no I mean we pride ourselves on that it, right it, you know at our store we, we make our shelf talkers once a month for our favorite books and they all go on a shelf right inside the front door so they're the first books people see and we pride ourselves on really picking books that we love. These are not books that someone has pressured us into picking. There's nothing up there that has a shelf talker by someone who hasn't actually read it. It's never like, this
0: is important and it's big and you should probably read it because we're (laughs) supposed to sell it. It's all really Heartfelt. So can I? Okay. Some. I was on a. I was a guest on a podcast. It's not going to run. I think until September. But she asked me the most interesting question, and I still sometimes feel like a baby bookseller a little bit. Like the book industry to me is not always the most easy, the easiest one to jump into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no. uh, so yes. I still <laughs> <in> Christ, <yeah. laughs> So I still sometimes feel like. Uh, and I hate feeling stupid. It's like my biggest fear. And so, like later, <laughs> I'll go home and Google what did this mean? Like, okay. um, So, she, she was like, okay, since so you're a bookseller, I wanted to talk to you about co oping And I was like, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I do what Okay, is. so, she, so uh, I guess Barnes Noble in particular um, does this thing where a publisher will say, if you put our book on the shelf, you get credit money. You right. get co-op uh, money. We talked so, about doing
1: this when I was doing inventory. So, we, we did. Well,
0: we do co-op, we do co-op okay. for events. Like oh. we do so many authorless events that if I pick a dot journaling book, I will contact the publisher and be like, We picked the dot journaling or we picked this pen to plate cookbook. Mm-hmm. And not all the time, occasionally someone yeah. would be like, and I and I think maybe bigger stores do co-op offers all the time. But the woman who was interviewing me was like, uh, you should advertise that you don't do co-op offers. And I was like, I don't know many independent bookstores where a publisher is paying. Right. for those books to be on the front table. If you are shopping at an independent bookstore, right. I think we have picked those books. And maybe for an event or something, we have gotten co-op right. op dollars because we have initiated it. Yeah. Not because they initiated right. it. Yeah, We're willing to be independent. Yes. Independent. Yeah. We really pride so, like, ourselves like being told on that. I what to do. <laughs> yeah. No, we we'll stick it to the yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think remaining independent is so is so fundamental to the idea of the independent bookstore. But is that your favorite part of it? Like, what is your favorite part of 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 doing this of book selling of of independently book selling?
2: I mean, really, just like what Annie was saying, prescribing books like they're medicine yeah. to a specific reader. Like, it's been fun this summer to just hand out, like, candy, the books of the summer. Ask Again, Yes, City of Girls. Yeah. Like you said, those yeah. are crowd-pleasers. Yeah. But then, like, my version of, of Family of Origin yeah. is The Need by Helen Phillips. You sold mm. it to me. I it's, to it it is, it's brand new. It just came out recently, and it is not going to be for everybody. And there are certain people that I would see holding it, and I'm like, I, you know what, just mm-hmm. give me that back. Not for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think it's for more people than may than realize that it's for them. And it's, it's a surreal, um, just mind-bending piece of fiction about what motherhood actually feels like. Mm-hmm. But she tells it in this... It's so hard for me to talk about. I, it was in my, my little newsletter that I do every week this past week, and I said, I want you to read this book, but I can't really tell you anything about it because I want you to have no expectations. Right, right, right. I right, don't right. want to give spoilers. I don't want you to get too excited. I want you to just go in and go, it's going to be weird, but I'm going to give it a chance. <laughs> it's unlike anything I have ever read. Read, and I'm finding I'm finding myself seeking out people who have read it, yeah. so that we can talk yeah. about it. Right.
0: Yeah, and who you know, I think that's what prescribe is an interesting <clears throat> term to yeah. use. Uh, sometimes I have said, and this is funny coming from like a tea toddler, like I know nothing, but it feels like being a bartender. Yeah, like people or people come in and totally. they wind up telling you things that you're like, oh gosh, like let me. <laughs> you need a moment. Yeah, me. Like, <laughs> let me get into this don't you don't for a second. Like and and realizing. <laughs> it's kind of lovely how people come into a bookstore and it's such a compliment because it means they think our space is safe. Um, and so like, yeah, so they come in and, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean this week alone, I could tell stories about somebody who's grieving or somebody who's brokenhearted and we get to help cure them. Yes. Um, in a healthy way. Yeah,
2: we get to help them. I tell a story when I, when I talk about this, my memoir, I tell this story again and again about how, I have watched over the years women walk into the bookstore and walk over to the nonfiction section and stand in front of the memoirs Mm -hmm. with this, like, the world is hanging off their shoulders posture, and they pull down books and they flip through them, and sometimes, depending on what they need, either they pull down a book and, like, a little tear rolls Mm -hmm. down their face, or they pull down a book and they start chuckling, but when I see them putting the books back that's when I know there's something they're searching for Mm -hmm. and not finding and that's part of what kept me going writing this was thinking maybe I'm writing something maybe I'm writing the thing that these people need but people do come into bookstores looking
0: for help yeah yeah yeah, and I don't know that we would ever have word. I don't know that I ever knew that or would have ordered it that way. But as a customer, I did go into bookstores hoping to find something special or something that would help me feel better yes. or something that would make me think. And we all
1: enjoy the hunt. Yeah, like going into the store and yeah. like just looking and seeing if you can seeing if you can like stumble upon the thing that you yeah. that need. That thing that just lights yeah. you up. Yeah.
0: yeah. But then, if a bookseller is doing their job well. Mm-hmm. You know, and my favorite booksellers and I, I think the booksellers that we have hired do this, like they just quietly do their jobs. Like it's not in-your-face salesmanship, like it's not a car dealership where we're gonna like be like here, <laughs> here, here, unless you want that. Like that's the other thing. I feel like we do try to gauge our customers really well. Like if we see somebody that really does look like they want, well, you talked lot, uh, last night, Mary Laura, about like you like to sell a stack. Yeah, oh, I love to sell a stack. I like to sell <laughs> books in sets. Yeah, yeah, I and love these a all complement each other. Yes. 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 <laughs> but then you also have somebody who's you can tell wants to come in and get out of there. They need a book for their dad. Okay, here for you. I can yep. help you. Yes, I can. Yeah, I can help yeah. you. Yeah. With so much. I can more help easy. with gift giving, yes, like yes. tell me about the person, did yeah. you like this person or do you not like yes. this person, <laughs> <laughs> they're Absolutely. best for everyone. And it's, yeah. it's so interesting, so you have been kind of in the book world about the same time I have, I guess, like I've been in it for six, seven years, and I was telling somebody the other day, one of my favorite parts is, so when I started here, now those kids, like those kids who were babies, are now about six and seven, yes. mm-hmm. and okay, so that's super fun. You know what's super sad? Oh. Is uh, some of our the lovely kids who customers. Are only no, oh. no, I love all the children. Okay. Oh, no, all the children. <laughs> the kids who are 10. No, it's saying the
1: kids who were 10 and now they're 17 oh, and they don't care no, I still love them. Okay, photos.
0: good. No, I'm Ooh. talking about like our elderly customers. Yes. Oh. And all the And you're of a like, sudden, I haven't seen her. Yes. Really her. And we look at each other and we're like, um. Have you seen him? Like we care like you are our people. like you come into our store and you have become ours. and I did not I don't know I just had no idea that's what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I'm a person who picks my people really carefully yeah and so it has been interesting to now I feel like I've opened myself up to to being sad. Yeah. Because or or a woman came in and she's lost her dad recently, and I thought about her because I was like, "Oh no, what am, I can't help you for Father's Day this yeah. year." Yeah. Like I really did think about that. Like it's so strange. It is so but strange. It's real. Yeah. Bartender we, is the Bartender is only thing I can think yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> we have this pair. We have you this, this pair
2: of customers. More. We have this pair of customers named Jim and Charles. They're a couple... They're these very distinguished older gentlemen, and they come to every event. They they come to so many events that it's honestly like they have their own chairs up front. <laughs> yeah. They always sit right up front. And and we love them, and we know what they... Re- I mean, everyone on our staff loves them the best. We're yeah. not supposed to have favorites, but they're totally our favorites. <laughs> and I, I will never forget, two or three years ago, I was... I was going to speak at the Mississippi Book Festival in Jackson, which is about a six-hour drive from Nashville. Okay. And so I made the drive from Nashville to Jackson, and it was six hours of white-knuckle-pouring rain, awful, like the worst drive ever. And I got to Jackson, and I stopped at the Mayflower Cafe, is what I think it's called. And I was like, "I, I have to stop and, like, eat something before I go to my hotel I just need like cake or something (laughs) and I got out of the car and and it's four in the afternoon like an off time to be walking into a restaurant and I walk into this restaurant in Jackson and there are Jim and Charles and they're the only other customers in there because they go to every festival they can go to and I remember feeling like I had walked in and seen family. Yeah, you are like, right. oh, thank God, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> You made. And I went like, I went and sat at their table. They were midway through their meal. They had pulled up a chair. You know, oh, it, that's what these people
1: mean to us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: then the other side of that is not just interacting with customers, but interacting with authors. Um, and so, do you have any favorite um, or memorable interactions with authors? Um, fun ones, I'm thinking, like, I'm not gonna talk about the other ones, um, but, like, I will always remember sitting at the front table with Anton Di because she was just like, can I, can I have one of you just sit with me while I do my signing, so I don't have to just sit here by myself, and I was like, yeah, of course, and we sat there for two hours and just had a great conversation for the whole two hours, like, didn't stop talking, she was so lovely, so wonderful, um, and we talked about everything, and then I got to meet Pete, and it was before Hank I was Pete. born. Oh my goodness, it was incredible. So, like, I, I will always remember that, and I'm sure you two have, have similar experiences.
2: I, I mean, I feel like they, they are almost all good. It's, it's much harder to think of a bad one. I mean, when I think of ones that are just, like, funny and crazy and memorable, I always yeah. think of David Sedaris. Sure, yeah. Every David Sedaris event yeah. is colorful and memorable and wacky <laughs> in some way. And, you know, they I've had different roles in different events we've done with him, but one one time it was my job to do that, to stand uh-huh. at his table with yeah. him all night and and just listen to every conversation he has with people.
1: He sold it's us a amazing. washing machine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Yeah. I think for me, the, the negative ones do stick, stick out because they are rare. Yeah. So I do have like a couple, but yeah. the one of the most delightful ones was, so I loved the book Fire Sermon. I know that it's not oh, yeah. for everyone. I... I heard back from a lot of people, on that. Uh, so, so, uh, so I, you know, books were mailed back to me. So I, I understand that it was not for everyone, um, but part of the reason I fell in love with that book was Jamie Quatro was coming to Tallahassee, and I was like, um, bookseller angry because I was like, no, how dare they get her in Tallahassee? I when love Tallahassee, we are right here. But I was like, I. I love that book. I want her here. And I wrote my I wrote John Mays, who was so kind, and I was like, John, I know it's not the typical Thomasville author, but I need her. Like, I need her here. Please send her here. I'll, I'll, I'll beg for a crowd, which is what you do in small Thomasville, as many can attest. I sent emails. Please come to this event. Uh, I will practically pay you to come to this event. Um, so she was so gracious, and she came, like – middle of the afternoon on a weekday uh, <laughs> before her Tallahassee event, which I'm sure was large. It, I mean, to be fair, the publisher did the right, like Tallahassee is probably yeah. more her market, oh, Sure, um, but I was just bookseller jealous. And so Jamie comes in and we did a conversation, which I don't always do, but I think I prefer it. Um, I think I've gotten to the point where I like doing that instead of the author just having to give uh-huh. a reading because um, I like getting to interact together. But I really wanted to do that selfishly because I'd read the book and I liked the book. Yeah. So we had this conversation, but yeah. I'll never forget it. Because it's those moments when you realize, oh, we're we're kindred. Like we're kindred spirits. Yeah. So we were talking, and part of the reason I loved Fire Sermon was because it was a lot about faith. It was super complicated and messy and and she was like, I was just raised super conservative, religious, and I've being me, was like, really, what denomination? (laughs) And she was like, oh, probably you haven't heard of it. I was raised Church of Christ and, like, almost fell on my stool. I was like, yes, the same. (laughs) Tell me more. And she was shocked. Like, she was totally flummoxed. And so we had this really – I felt sorry for the audience because we were like, okay, we're not talking to them anymore. (laughs) This is us. And so it was – I will never forget it because, again, it's those moments of feeling known and feeling like, okay, this is why this – now this book – now why I love this book makes sense. Um, Jocelyn Jackson Mm -hmm. comes to mind of another woman where I was like, okay, yeah, you are my people. Like, you Mm – you make sense to me. Like, there are just some people who you really connect with, and it's nice to know that extends to authors just as it does to normal Joe Schmo off the street. Normal people. (laughs) Yeah, you're normal people. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you, Mary Laura, for being here. Um, And thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Um, We are so grateful. Um, We cannot believe that people... (laughs) Kept <laughs> come to Thomasville uh, to participate in our reader retreat, to come here tonight. Um, we are just so grateful. And um, overwhelmed. Yeah, and we. I want to quickly say thank you to Chris. Um, for setting up the podcast, for Olivia for making it possible to do virtually. Hello to people watching virtually. Uh, And and to Olivia and Lucy and Nancy for helping run the shop so that I could be with you guys all day Um, on a Saturday. That's our busiest day. So I'm so grateful um, to my friend Hallie for being here and just helping keep me sane (laughs) after what has been an insane week. um, Thank you for your online orders that you have placed um, during Amazon Prime Week. Like Thank you so much for choosing us instead. Uh, we cannot say thank you enough. The um, I think the local postman is a little confused. Like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, uh, like, what are you mailing out? Like, is this a, a drug situation? Like, uh, what, I'm what is happening? I have this guy. He's great, but he's not here anymore. I know. Um, so anyway, so we are just uh, we have been overwhelmed this week by your support for us, and um, I just want to say thank you and. Thank you for making this job really fun. So Uh, fun. Yeah. Thank you guys.